Hey, hockey moms, check out bluelinehockeyclub.com for all the past and future podcasts. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by... Tovi Hockey has designed, tested, and developed a new carbon composite hockey stick that will change the way you play the game of hockey forever. The Tovi Hockey Diamond Air Blade Hockey Stick is no ordinary stick or copycat repackaged technology. Hockey has never seen anything like this before. The patented outside-the-box approach to blade design is a perforated cross-beam construction significantly increasing the swing speed built using 100% carbon fiber. We have eliminated that flimsy foam core for enhanced durability and a much larger sweet spot. The amazing hockey stick yields the most amazing feel and puck control ever seen in the game of hockey guaranteed. Feel the future. Check us out on our webpage at tobyhockey.com and use the coupon code INTROTOVY20 for immediate 20% discount. That's tobyhockey.com and coupon code INTROTOVY20 for immediate 20% discount on this amazing new technology. Hello, welcome back to the Blue Line Hockey Club. We have episode 53 tonight. We have the usual suspects with us. We have our IT guy, Robbie Pete Peters. What's up, Peter? Hey, how's your mom and him? And our producer, Patrick Uncle Sullivan. What's up, Patrick? Aloha. And the all-around sports guru, the guy that we go to for all of our sports news, Derek D-Train. He too. What's up, D-Train? What's up, sweet oats? And your host of the Blue Line Hockey Club tonight, Mark the Doctor Morley. Yo. <laughs> and we have a very special guest sitting in with us tonight, uh, St. Lawrence alum, St. Lawrence hockey team, member of the, the national championship run in 1987-88, uh, captain of that team, also had had many cups of coffee in the NHL, illustrious career in that, and Jamie Baker meeting with us. What's up, Bakes? Gentlemen, nice to... Nice to uh... Guys from the from the North Country. When did you? Who came up with this idea? I got. I'm coming in with the first question. And how many beers? How many beers did you have? Blue Line. Oh, too many beers. Episode 53. Yes. So you know what the Blue Line Hockey Club is? Have you heard of that? It's all the guys that would sit out right behind where the Zamboni comes in and out at the uh, Appleton, and we have beers in between intermission. Is that right? Well, I was busy during that. I wasn't aware of that. You were a little busy. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was busy trying to entertain you guys. So you exactly. I wanted you to make sure that you were watching the games, because if we were getting blown out, then you'd be just spending all your time drinking. Yeah, we would have stayed right out there. Yeah, you, you helped us stay warm. We went back in, especially that exactly. year. Yeah, we had some good years. By the way, episode number 53, it's a little serendipitous. That was my first number in the NHL when I played with the Quebec Nordiques. Wow. What mean, you know? when, when you go to camp and they give you 53, a middle linebacker number, you're not really <laughs> slotted in to make the team. <laughs> but uh, once, I, once I kind of established myself there, I moved to number 28. But I did wear number 50. My first NHL number, believe it or not, was number 53. There you go. Well, we knew that. That's why we wanted you on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is it. history. You guys we thought about that for a while. The history book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were 13 at St. Lawrence, all right? I was number nine the first year. Number nine. So Paul Cash, 
Yeah, I mean, Paul Castro on leave, he was wearing number nine. And then uh, for some reason, Scott Nickerson took it. And I'm like, Nick, you couldn't tell him. He would eat you. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I couldn't tell him that. But I'm like, you're not a number nine. You're not like, you're like a 53. <laughs> yeah, you're a 53. <laughs> I had to wait a year. So, because Nick was a senior my freshman year. And then, uh, so then I wore nine the uh, uh, next three next three years. There, that was my what? favorite number growing up. Yeah, nine. That's that right, nine. Year. And then when I got to the NHL, like I didn't ask, I never even asked for it. Like I was not in, at the NHL level. I was not worthy of number nine. <laughs> <laughs> and and was and was well aware of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were just we were young younger at the time when you were at St. Lawrence. I think we were like twelve or something like that. We were running around to Appleton. You know, we looked up to you guys. We were going over the names on the rosters and, you know, the, the Hank Lammons and Pete McGeo and uh, Day Lappin. and Lappins. And, you know, it was Martin pretty, yeah, pretty awesome team. Yeah. We remember all those names. It's kind of so, cool. Yeah, they would have been the ones that you guys flipped the pucks to. And I was the one flipping <laughs> you guys off. <laughs> that was probably Rob. <laughs> he was the punk. Thanks for the puck, though. <laughs> we were flipping off, we, and we would have just said, yeah, he was doing it because Russ Mann probably tried to spit on you or something. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy side, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's yes. for sure. A lot of those yeah. boys. Lapping brothers? Uh, you know, yeah, so those teams, you know, for all the hockey I've been around, and it's different when you're at the NCAA level, and even back then, the, the one thing I remember, like, I didn't know, like, when I went there, we were all, I don't want to call us all cast off, but we, we weren't wanted by the bigger schools, the whole lot of, and like I was overlooked by a lot. Like I was even looking at some division three schools and, and Joe Marsh, when he was recruiting me, he actually told my parents and I, he goes, we consider you our top recruit, you know, when they, once they offered a scholarship. And I literally didn't believe him because I knew some of the other people that he was recruiting. I'm not kidding. And I, and I, I guess I just didn't think of myself that highly because it wasn't like, wasn't getting recruited. I got recruited by a, a few schools, but once I committed there, I don't think any of us knew what we were getting into. And like, we started off 0-7 the first year. I know Bar Barney, I call him Barney, so Joe Marsh, Barney Rubble, but <laughs> I, if I refer to Barney, that means Joe Marsh. first year coaching, because McShane, I got recruited when McShane was a head coach, and then he left. He went to uh, Providence that summer, and then Marsh takes over, and we're 0-7. I remember driving home for Christmas. We just got shellacked at Walker Arena, like 10-1. I got a shaved head, and I'm like, <laughs> talking to my dad. I'm like, what the F have I got myself into? <laughs> and, then, and literally from that Christmas on, the team, even though like we, we made the playoffs, we lost to Yale that year, the next year. You know, my sophomore year, we lost in the finals, I think, to Harvard. Or we lost in the semis to Harvard. And then we know what happened my junior year. We went all the way to the – we won, won the league and went to the final game and then the senior year too. And I think I think 89, I think we might – I think we've got the best three- and four-year record combined. I don't know. I remember going back for um, the Memorial Weekend for, for Stubo and, and Pelch and Gary and I were hanging out, you know, Kubo was our roommate, not, and we were looking. We're just we're looking at our the, the record for every year, and we're looking at our four years, and we're like, well, no wonder why we had fun. We, we had fun 
<laughs> like that's fun. Like, so we had, but the thing about our team is we had all the elements we had, you know, we had the scoring, but no, everybody underestimated how good our defense were. Our junior year, the year, my junior year, the year we went to Placid, five of our six defense were like six two two ten, and the other one was an All-American and Brian McColgan. And we were a nasty group. It was the only team that I've seen or I've ever played on and really seen that was an elite team that didn't dictate the, the type of game you wanted to play. We, for some reason, because we had a, a Lappins, Buckridge, even Lamons, he, he was loose. Like, he was hard, as mean as he was, he was loose away from it. Um, we didn't go out and dictate, okay, we're going to play a high-scoring game. Oh, we're going to play a physical game. Oh, we're going to play a tight-checking game. We let the other team kind of dictate how they wanted to play, and then we'd beat them at their game, which was pretty incredible. It's like you never see anything like that, really. The great teams are the ones – they dictate the pace of play and other teams can't handle it. We weren't like that. And we showed it in the playoffs, you know, like we beat Minnesota in a run and gun game and then Lake state beat us, but we outchanced them probably two to one in that game. And that was a physical, that thing was a war. And I, you know, the guy that got the game winning goal, Mark Vermette, I ended up playing with him in Halifax. And he said, you guys were, he said, you guys should have won the game. And he goes, you guys were the best team we played. Not even close that year. You were the only team we couldn't push around. Yeah, and you had the controversy of the net getting pushed off at the end of the game there. How many times have you seen that video? I mean, that's not a – I mean, it's not a contra- – well, it was obvious now. Jesus Christ. The guy threw a shoulder into the net. I mean, how bad was that? Oh, it was, ob- it was obvious then. I don't know if we saw it, lot, you know, at the time. But once yeah. when you see it, it's obvious. Like, it's, Yes, yes. We could look – in 100 years, somebody from St. Lawrence will look at that and go, well, that was obvious. <laughs> like <laughs> – you know what? It was, it wasn't meant to be, and that's just the way it is. You know, like yeah. it's one of it's one of those things. It was it was it wasn't meant to be. I actually played with a guy. It's crazy because we we've lost so many guys from that team. I have a picture. It's like my favorite picture in sport. It's after we lost. We're over by the bench in the friggin' NCAA back then. Like we had to wait for the other team to get each individual go get their little trophy or whatever <laughs> he just stayed on the ice for like 10 to 15 agonizing minutes and then they gave us ours like just let us off the ice like yeah. let them celebrate like it's too much so we're all some of us are sitting on the bench some are sitting on the ice we're all crying no one's looking at each other but there's 13 people in the picture but like mike Pelcher's in the picture doug doug murray's in the picture rich stewart he's wearing a suit but he's in the picture Pete McGill, who broke his back the next year, he's in the picture. It's like the picture has all these different, it's just this incredible, like, stories. And I ended up playing at the end of my career, I ended up playing with the Chicago Wolves. And this is, I was still a member of Toronto, but they didn't send me to Newfoundland. So they, they sent me to Chicago. Our team won the Turner Cup. And I told the head coach, John Anderson, at the beginning of the playoffs, I said, just put me on the third line, like, let me shut down the other team's top line, kill penalties, do what I did in the NHL. It'll be like, it won't, like, I'm used to shutting down the Gretzky's and that. This will be easy, you know? Not easy, but it'll be easier. It'll be easier. I'll be able to get in their heads. Anyway, we end up winning the championship, but one of the guys on my I had two guys on my line, Chris Marinucci, who was a Minnesota Duluth, won the Hobie Baker. The only reason he didn't play in the NHL was he just wasn't fast enough. He had great hands, great hockey sense, great shot. The other guy was a guy named Tim Breslin, who kind of 
toiled in the East Coast League, and then like the American Hockey League was his NHL. You know, like great character guy, incredible guy. Well, guess what? He played for Lake State, who beat us. He was a freshman, and <laughs> at five years after we won the championship, he got cancer, and mm. ended up passing away. And the funeral was on friggin' Valentine's Day, and yeah, Dad was a pallbearer. I was, you know, and I went to the funeral. Doug Wade was there. It was two young kids. It was, they're sad. And then it's like, oh my God, like stab me in the heart. Like, geez, on Valentine's Day, that's the funeral. With his beautiful wife and two young, or two, three, three kids. And honestly, I, I came to terms with that loss that day. I said, you know what? I won a championship with this guy in Chicago on my line. We were integral to us winning the championships our line was you know what i it was a pleasure to have him on my line and to win a championship with him and i'm glad he won the ncaa and it was like i know it sounds crazy because you still i you know you go back and you say you wish you know you would have loved i would have loved a different outcome um like i can even you guys don't even probably know this on the game winning goal in overtime cohen was out he was way out of his crease a little bit there was a huge scramble and I slid in behind him. I'm like, oh shit, he's in bad position here. Like he's he's screwed if they move it. So I come and I slide in behind him. So I'm laying on the ice, looking out. And I if I didn't have friggin' ADD, we <laughs> I might have made the best save of my life. But I'm like, no, oh, I can't, I can't. I'm I literally I'm like I can't. I was I was just outside the goal line, laying across, taking away the whole bottom part of the net. I was laying down sideways. Skates all the way to the head, yeah. And I'm like, I can't. I remember my thoughts about. So I'm like, well, I can't stay here. I can't stay here all day. <laughs> As I start to get up, I feel something, and I look, and it was the puck, and it was about a foot and a half the goal line, and I screamed. I'm like, no! And I wanted to scoop it out. It was a foot and a half in the net, and it was. Over. <laughs> and then, Shit. And so, but I, I literally like that whole like Tim Breslin thing and everything. I came. You know, I've never watched the entire game. I would love to. I'd love to see a copy and watch it again, just for fun. But I will. More about having gratitude to have played. It's a pretty cool experience to be able to play in a one-game winner-take-all situation. And and you know what? Sometimes the best team doesn't win. Yeah, that's right. sports. Absolutely, man. Listen, Bakes. On that kind of subject. Um, Listen, all of us here actually have won state championships in New York State, too. So we, we know that feeling of playing for all the marbles in a one-win-take-all series. But on the note of you talking about, you know, all the boys that you played with, it, are, are there still guys to this day that you keep in close contact with? And if so, who are they? Who are the, who are the guys that you still uh, stay close with? Well, Gary Robertson, quite a bit. You know, he and I were roommates for four years, best friends. I mean, people, you know. We fought. We fought. He was an only child. We fought a little bit our uh, our semester year, our first semester as freshmen. But we roomed <laughs> together for four years. I mean, people used to call him. It was like Jerry and Gamey. You know, we were we were attached to the hip. So I talked to Gary, but he's you know he's got a lot of kids. So I'm probably in touch with him the most. Dave Witherall, Russ Mann. I hear from McGill a little bit. I just got you know I don't know if you guys saw the article that recently came out. So some guys have reached out. Paul yeah. Cohen called me yesterday. Uh, I, I got a nice message from Scott Nickerson, Brian McColgan. You know, we had a good reunion last year. 
went to that. So I saw a lot of the guys. Brad McKee. I'm in Toronto. I may see Brad McKee. The, uh, it's been a little while since I've seen the la- I haven't seen Tim Lapp in forever. I see Pete the odd time. Joe, Marty Ball. saw Marty Ball in New York. So, you know, when the Sharks <laughs> are traveling, if I get a chance, I try and see some of these guys if, if we can. Um, but, like, last summer when we all got together, it was just the same. You know how it is. It's like when you guys are all you guys all get together on a Friday night, nothing changes. You tell old stories, you have beers, <laughs> make fun of each other. Yeah. And you know, it's it's the be- and it's the best time ever. And that's that's all we did. You know, nothing it was like nothing had changed. We we catch up on each other's family situations and then it's right back into having fun. Rob White, I just saw Rob White. Rob White was out in in San Jose. So I got him tickets to a game. He brought his family out, they were doing a little tour. So I, that was like two weeks ago. So stuff nice. like that. Um, Walt, by the way, Wally White, I don't know if you heard, he was a huge fan as well. He just, he just passed away, unfortunately. He'd been sick for a while, but, so it was kind of nice to see Rob, if he could identify players. I'm not going to create a recruiting <laughs> violation here, but like identify players in, in the area. He was always looking out. He was always looking out for players without crossing the lines of, uh, any recruiting violation. Where'd so, you guys all, uh, meet up, Jamie? Did you guys go back to Canton? No, they have an annual golf tournament, hockey. It's, a, it's hockey, and it's both men and women um, in Cape Cod. Scott Nicholson, uh-huh. got a, you know, he works at a course there. Last year, they did a 30-year reunion of our the 87-88. So nice. Joe Marsh was there. Mark Morris, of course, was there. Donnie Vaughn, because they were the coaches. I think there yeah. were 16 or 17 of us or something. I don't know. And then there were other there were, you know players from other years there other years but it was it was just a great time seeing everybody i had my daughter there bridget and she's graduated college she played she played at uvm for four years she she graduated uh about a year earlier and uh she just she thought it was awesome like she's like oh my god you guys must have had so much fun and i'm like that's one thing that team did we had fun and we went out and won a lot of hockey games we epitomized what a true team is where a bunch of guys really truly play for each other your daughter played uh hockey for uvm I yeah she so. played there for four years yeah yeah Loved yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah. <laughs> they didn't win a ton but you know uvm's like a bigger version of st lawrence great great college town gutterson field house is awesome She's playing in the hockey east it was she still lives in burlington so. oh nice good city she actually just texted me she's actually right now she got tickets. I, I Venmoed her 50 bucks for her and her friend Alex <laughs> to She's right now in Albany, New York, at a, right now, as we speak, uh, watching Fleetwood Mac live. Oh, so nice. Yeah. I took her to a Tom Petty concert when she was 13. Hey. It was in Oakland. And it was probably one of the better things I've done parenting-wise because it introduced her, really introduced her to rock and roll. <laughs> and she loves it now. Nice. Yeah. What's uh? Tell us a good funny story about uh, Barney Rebel or uh, Joe Marsh. <laughs> I, I was his uh, his neighbor for the last three years. I lived right next to him on Power Street in Canton, and uh, he said, "By far, you're the best hockey player that he ever coached." You know, put on a St. Lawrence sweater. But with that said, what's you got a funny story about Joe? I know there's a lot out there, but uh, what's your funny? Oh, he's story a funny guy, right? Oh yeah. I mean. You know, 
he loved the whole Barney. Like, when can you call your coach Barney? As in Barney Rubble. And, he, and he's okay with it, right? He's so cool. You know, the, my, favorites, my favorites were always when he got mad, which was a lot because he had a temper, right? Like, you walk into the dressing room and he's standing there with an orange and he's pacing and he's like almost spitting when he talks and you're just waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. You just wait there. And then boom, just like like hardball. Throws the orange as hard hard as he can at the you know, at the whiteboard. <laughs> you know? And, and either the whiteboard breaks or the orange passes all over. And you like try not to laugh. And he's so mad. Things. And I the other one's like, oh man, Richie Stewart. It was so funny in practice. He he was doing a passing drill with Richie Stewart and you know, Stubo's awesome, but he didn't play very many games, you know, like we called him a stay at home defenseman. You know, like, <laughs> he, he, he stayed at home when, when we went to play the games. <laughs> he, he took stay he took stay at home defenseman to a whole nother level. A whole nother level. Yeah. Bernie, Bernie, Bernie decides he's going to do a, he's going to show us a passing. I don't know. He's showing a passing technique or something. And, and he's doing it with, with Stubo and Stubo rifles one right off his shin. <laughs> and he's, you know, Barney's staring, <laughs> F this, F that, helicopters is up into the stands, leaves the ice, and then whenever he left the ice back then, because our dress room was on the other side, there used to be like four garbage cans going down, but they were all tinned. <laughs> we could tell where he was because he kicked the friggin' tin, tin garbage can as hard as he could with his cane. <laughs> you could hear him. I'm like, oh, we're in clear now, he's... Okay, now there's the fourth one. Okay, now we can all laugh out loud. You know, there's the fourth one. Clear, clear. <laughs> one of my one of my favorite stories, my Barney ones though. Like this is, it's, a, it's not like a funny one. It's he and I laughed at it. He and I laughed at it. We played my sophomore year. We played a game in Army. I think it was earlier in the year. I don't can't remember. And we we blew them at like ten to two. And a lot of guys, a lot of guys got points like three, four five-point nights, eh? Like, ran up their numbers. And I think I ended up with, like, one assist. And after the game, I wasn't... Guys were, like, celebrating like we'd want to... Like, some, some guys that weren't used to getting... having a three-point night were really happy. Too well, you know? <laughs> and to me, it was just another... It was To me, it was just like, well, we just blew out a, a team that we should beat anyway whatever it doesn't like if you win three two or ten two it doesn't matter just in my mind and i'm like uber competitive and i'm like i got one point i wasn't really celebrating i guess i don't know i don't think my body language was that good and he put he, he recognized it and he pulled me aside it was man, it was a it was a great life left like literally like you know like i was being a little bit selfish not not intentionally i'm like what the fuck guys like who cares you know like who gives a shit so he pulls me aside. He sec you know, he puts his arm. He goes, "Hey, hey, some of these guys, they don't get, they don't always get this type of ice time. They don't have nights like this. So they're, yeah, maybe they're celebrating a little more than you should in a in a rock type of victory. But you got to be happy for them too. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like we're all in this together. Like, don't worry about it. I know it's not all about the points. We got the win and all that. But you can't, don't like good leaders. You're not gonna. You've got to have good body language after games like this. You got to be happy for all these guys." You know what I mean? You got to be going out of your way, like being happy for them. And he was right. And it was yeah. like one of those, uh, I call it, you lay down at night 
you know, you don't like to hear it right at the time, your ego and pride and all that. But like, you know, it's one of those ones you great coaches do. As, and that's what that's what made Barney so great. You know, was was he he was teaching you he was he was teaching you stuff more about life than just hockey. That's more about life. So like you know, you go to bed that night, think about it, and you're like, he's right. You know, and then it's it's not like you it's not like I didn't make a scene. Nobody really noticed. He noticed. Nobody else noticed. They, everybody was doing their own thing. So there was no harm, no foul. I didn't have to go and apologize to anyone. So a year later. <laughs> Uh, I love this story. (laughs) A year later, we're playing Cornell at home. They were pretty good. We were sucking the bag. We weren't playing very good. We just, I don't know, whatever it was. It was 3-0 at the end of two periods. And I can't remember whether he came in. I don't think he came. I think he came in and yelled at the end of the first. I don't know if he yelled at the end of the second. But we went out in the third. And we blitzed them. Like, we turned it up. Like, everybody. It was like everybody was going 60%, and now everybody went 110. And we blitzed them and scored six goals. Like, it was a joke. It was like completely, yeah, it was a tale of two games. 40 minutes, we're lollygagging. And that's what we would do. We 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 had this capacity to just, like, when when the chips were down, it brought out the best of everybody, the lap. Tim Lappin and Buckridge, myself, Joe Day was always going hard. So was Gary. Even McGill and Lamb, and they would elevate their game. Rob White, Russ Mann would elevate their game. You know, Cohen would elevate his game. Everybody, we, we had a lot of guys that could borderline instantly elevate our games if, if we had to. That's what was so good about that team. So anyway, we go to the Booster Club day after. Again, Barney's walking around, got the mope on. So I go up to him. <laughs> and I, what's going on? You guys don't need me to coach. You guys just do whatever you want. And <laughs> I, I put my arm around him. Hey, 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 listen. You know, sometimes when it's big wins, even if you don't feel like that, you did your thing. You got to be happy for it. <laughs> you got to hide it. I literally, I gave him the exact same speech he'd given me the year before. <laughs> and he looks That's crazy. great. You fucking asshole or something. Start laughing his ass off. We go grab a. Well, I don't. Yeah, we go like grab a beer, and that was it. You know, like it was like he was. He knew I was right, and like it, it cheered him up. But it was. That's like one of my. That is one of my favorite Barney stories. It was like because you know him. He, he was. He was mad. You guys don't. You guys don't need me. I don't have to do anything. You guys. You guys want to go turn it up? You guys go turn it up. You don't need a coach. I'm like, <laughs> now, now, now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, so here's a, here's another good one. Here's another good one. No, this is why you guys are like national championship game. So your emotions are like I said. I could elevate my game, but I, I, my, I also my adrenaline would kick in, and I, I literally almost killed a guy. Like, I hit a guy so hard, <laughs> timed it perfectly, but, like, got a roughing penalty in the first period. And I, like, I hunted this guy down. I just timed it. Just he was turning. He didn't, like, it wasn't, I didn't catch him going, he didn't go head first in the boards. I would not do that. But I just caught him perfectly, but I caught him up high. Like, I steamrolled him. It was, like, one of the hardest hits in my four years of college. And it was all emotion and adrenaline, you know. At the end of the first period, I don't even know what the score was. I think we might have been losing by a goal or something. I don't know. I don't think they scored on the power play. 
I do remember, though, being in the dressing room. And back then, you know, the, the dressing rooms weren't very big or anything. And we had brought all these extra sticks. And they were all in the bathroom where the, you know, toilets were and the showers. And Barney's like, Briggs, come here. And he's like, so I'm like, oh, I think he wants to talk to me. So <laughs> I, go, I go in there. He grabs me by the top of my shirt. He lifts me up about two feet, his adrenaline, and he's like spitting in my face, like, don't you ever take another fucking penalty? I'll fucking kill you. What are you doing? You can't take fucking stupid penalties. And I'm like, I'm dangling two feet in the air. Like, like my head is, I'm already taller than him and everything, but I'm like looking straight down at him. He's got me straight up over, and he, he, he held me there with his arms for about 30 seconds, yelling and spitting and like going crazy. He put me down, he goes, Go ahead and play hockey. <laughs> and then that was it. <laughs> I've never had a coach do that before. And it was during the national championship game. That was funny, yeah. Anyway. So Tony Rebel. He's yeah. a legend. You guys, a legend. You guys do a lot of uh, you guys do a lot of celebrating up there. Oh, he but no that, doubt he's a legend, man. All of us are we all know him well. Yeah. So celebrate at the hoot owl, the TikTok, maybe get a late night pizza roll. <laughs> Bat bag. Uh, we were in college, you know. We had we all had fun, looked out for each other too, you know. But I mean, it was it was college, so no, we're, we were we were no different than anyone else. We were our own little fraternity that had fun. So, right? oh yeah, I was gonna yeah. say we've all turned to walk home from the hoot owl that would normally be a mile into about a five mile walk because we're walking in a very good <laughs> S pattern, you know. So yeah, we, we know the worst, that. the worst thing that ever happened to me. I came out of the hoot owl a little over overextended one night. <laughs> I was running to my, I was running home. I was in flip flops and shorts, like because it was the spring. I think I was I was if I was by myself, like I would always kind of jog places. I hate it. Like walking is like too slow for me, you know. Um, <laughs> get there sooner. I get there, then I'm at the next place where there's more people to talk to. I was either going to my girlfriend's place or going back to my place. I can't. I don't even know. It doesn't matter. All I know is I, while I I was I wasn't paying attention, and I ran literally like straight into the uh railroad ties I destroyed, <laughs> destroyed my i destroyed my foot oh yeah my big toe and i broke my big toe and like the nail was shattered and oh yeah it's like yeah 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 that's that's like that's my worst kudal story right there <laughs> that's not too bad relatively all, all the other ones yeah. i think i think all the other ones were good yeah. yeah, didn't get arrested this year, right? Hey, um, Bakes, let's get into a little bit of your NHL career quickly. Um, you know, just your path of, you know, how you ended up, you know, finishing up with the Sharks and ended up staying there. You want to just give us a little bit of a tour through your NHL career? So you guys know what happened my senior year, right? Um, when I got my, you know, I got slew-footed. We were number one in the country. Broke my leg, but I tore my ligaments in my ankle. And the next day, and, and Barney, you know, he broke his he broke his hand. Or he broke a, a bone punched in his the door, hand. right? Yeah, well, I punched the uh, like the towel dispenser in the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> so we both went and got X-rayed the next day together. It's awesome, right? Um, like that's a great coach. Like, well, he probably that was a smart thing because he was so mad when he found out it was a broken ankle. But the worst case scenario, we found out the next day, like they. They x-rayed my, it was my left leg, right? And I don't know if you guys remember, but I got slew-footed, Mike Cosma. We were like going, going to be 13 and 0. I had 17 people in town from Ottawa. Like all, all about family, 
like relatives and some of my, a whole bunch of my high school friends were at the game. And my girlfriend, who turned out to be my wife, Annie, she went to semester at sea, the first semester senior year. She came and surprised me at that game. Ironically, in like the weirdest thing oh, ever, geez. at the end of the second period, Joe Day goes, is that Annie up there? I did because I didn't know she was going to be there. I'm like, no. I go, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's her. And we kind of waved. First shift of the third period is when I got slew footed. So the good thing is she was there. Wow. Bad thing is, the bad thing is she was there. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so <laughs> I, when I got, when I got kicked, my right leg went up in the air. The toe of my left skate got caught. I sat, so I sat on my foot. That's what happened. Yikes. Yeah. It grows like gruesome. Yeah, yeah, really bad. Like you just, you just, you can just imagine. That's how bad it was. So I tore. I had a spiral fracture in my fibula, but I tore all the ligaments in my ankle. My foot was not dangling, but when I was laying on my stomach, my left foot was like sideways, right on the ice. It wasn't on the toe. Oh. Yeah, it was bad. So they came out and they're like, "Yeah, broken ankle." Initially, they're like broken ankle. It wasn't a broken ankle. All, all my ligaments were gone. So, and that's why I was in such excruciating pain. So the next day, uh, Barney and I go, he takes me and uh, we go to Ogdensburg for the x-rays and everything. He's got to get x-rayed, which is so great. And then <laughs> they x-rayed my left foot, but then they went in and x-rayed my right one. And then I, that's when I knew I was in trouble. I knew I was in big trouble then. So, because they were, com they're now comparing. So there's got to be some abnormalities, you know? So they came back in. I remember I had this little, one of these little mini Pepsi bottles, little glass ones. And they're like, do you want the good news or the bad news? And I said, uh, the good news. <clears throat> the doctor goes, this shouldn't be career threatening. <laughs> I'm like, when he said shouldn't be, shouldn't be career threatening. He didn't say this isn't. <laughs> there wasn't a good news, doc. And that's, <laughs> and that's the good, and that was the good news. I put my, like, I was like ready to start crying right there. And I put my mouth around the bottle. Just to, like, it was like, you just want to grab something. Cause you're like, what's the bad news. And the bad news was you're done for the season. You need surgery. You've torn all your ligaments. We're gonna have to put a screw in blah, blah, blah. So we figured all that out. So as far as my career, I had to overcome that injury, which carried over into my, you know, my first year pro, like I had to get my tape ankled most of the year. You know, I, I spent my I spent my time in the minors, and, and the thing is, I had, you know, I went from Joe Marsh, an amazing person, motivational coach, taught you the importance of competing, all all of that. You know what I mean? He didn't get detailed hockey wise, because that wasn't his thing. Like, we're gonna do it this way, you know. And then I, you add my coach, Robbie Fatorik, my first head coach. He taught me the details, like. You know, move move your feet a little bit here when you're in the defensive zone. Move your stick position like 20, 20 degrees from here to here, and here's why. And I had I I, I just I was I figured it out you know, and I, I was a good skater. Like I was a pretty fast skater, and so I I picked up on things. He used to play three on three with us, and like you know, he'd poke you in the back of the knee and all these little tricks that he you know had from playing it when he was in the NHL. So it's just more experience, you know. And so I, you know, made my way my third year. I finally, I made my way up to the NHL and I was just, I realized when I first got to the NHL, like Joe Sackett's there, like 
I played my first year, Guy Lafleur, Peter Stastny. They were both at camp. Um, wow. Who else? Michelle Goulet. Like, there's Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer. And Joe Sackett. <laughs> Four Hall of Famers. My first game in the NHL, yeah, I played did. right wing. So what, what I learned, what I did learn in Halifax, so I learned how to play the wings which helped me because it's like gives you a one in 12 chance of making a roster versus a one in four at center. And, and my first, you know, my first 50 games in the NHL, I split time between playing wing and center and I was playing right wing, which I'd never, I hadn't played wing my whole life. I'd never played wing before. So I kind of had to learn how when I was playing in Halifax and Robbie Fatorik told me like, I'm going to make you play some games at wing. I'm like, I don't want to play wing. I can't stand it. He goes, well, one in 12 or one in four. And I'm one and twelve. He goes, "You're yeah. fucking playing some wins." <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> okay. And and so that's that. And then I was just a rely. Honestly, like I was a reliable player. I went to Ottawa for a year. I put up some numbers. The team was brutal, but it allowed me to get some power play time and put up a few numbers. And then you know they didn't want me. Um, that was just a messy. That was just a messy situation. And then um, and it had to do with one way contracts and and just stuff it was just it was just messy and then i made my way to san jose and found a spot and you know that first year i scored that big goal in the playoffs but i i played most of the year with a sports hernia i was in and out of the lineup struggled and they i was one of the first guys to ever ever sports hernia and once they diagnosed it they're like okay you can play we're going to put you on antibiotics we thought it was a groin injury i kept getting i was in the lineup out of the lineup in the lineup out of the lineup you know and then they they diagnosed this and then I kind of caught fire. I got kind of solidified as a third line guy. And then we had a nice little run in the playoffs. I scored that game, you know, game winning goal in game seven. And, but I was a, I was like, I was a lunch pill guy. Like I had to work hard every day, you know, every game. Right. Like, and that, that takes a toll on you. you they cycle through those types of players, but I still, I mean, as a late bloomer, I turned pro at 23, made the NHL at 25, 26, still carved out seven and a half years. And then, uh, Played a little bit more at the end over in Halifax with the Chicago Wolves, or not Halifax in uh, Finland, and then in with the Chicago Wolves and play, had a nice ten-year career. So pr- I'm proud of my journey because it wasn't easy. I had to work hard. I had to find ways. You know, I blocking shots like I would I would get tennis balls or tape and have guys shoot shoot on me, and I would work on blocking shots. Wow. Um, I, I became I determined in when I was in in Quebec. I'm like. You know, if I get really good at face-offs, if there's an important face-off late in the period or something, or we're in the defensive zone with 45 seconds left in a one-goal game, they're going to want somebody who's winning the face-off. So I went and started working on face-offs. So I worked on things that not necessarily other guys did to create my own niche as a reliable, dependable player to get ice time. And the face-off thing, it helped me get ice time. I go out, I win the face-off, we clear the zone, we go on to win the game. And it's like, oh, we can trust Baker in the last minute of the game. Well, when you're playing, those are those are important minutes, right? Of so you you get you get yep. that trust from your coaches, and you go from there. So that that's kind of the story. It's, there's nothing sexy about it. Like, <laughs> got a will, you got no, but you're it's so many guys. Like I go when I went to the Chicago Wolves, there were a lot of think about it. I went to the Chicago Wolves. We won a championship. There were guys on that team that were like more skilled than me, but they hadn't played in the NHL. They didn't understand that, like, if you go to the NHL, if you're going to be a top six guy, you have to score. 
and the other teams are going to put their best checkers against you. Or if you're going to play in the third and fourth line, you've got to play a detailed game, which means you can't turn the puck over at the blue line, especially in a close game on the road with a couple minutes left in the period. So there's game management, situation management. You have to you got to know who you're on the ice against, all of that stuff, you know. And the more you learn, the more you do it, you know, and, and you watch for that stuff. And that's like I, I learned that from, from Joe Marsh too, you know, controlling your emotions a little bit during games, like some of the stuff. He, he was like he was between the, he was a between the whistle guy. He didn't want us showing if we were frustrated. And Robbie Fatora even added that even more. So it was all like I, I was, I, you got to learn the mental part of it because that's that's what it takes at the NHL level because every everybody's good, right? Like yeah. no bad players at that level. Yeah, and there's not too many people that get a chance to even play at that level, and it's uh it's pretty cool that to have that experience, and you know you've had quite a career in, in your hockey um, career, and now you're actually um, in the broadcasting world, and I think you started out in radio, didn't you? In yeah, nine years. With- with Rusinowski, the great Dan Rusinowski. Yeah. Trust me, there's we, we say SLU, baby. SLU. That's our little thing. <laughs> he and I have the same I have the same little pregame, just little fist pump. You know, like we make we make a full fist and on top of each other and we look at each other and we nod, but we we bring our eyebrow like close our eyebrows on because that's what Gary Robertson and I used to do. <laughs> Whenever I'm doing uh, I'm doing T V tomorrow. So Brett Hedekin and I, uh, we we switch from TV to radio this year. So three, four games, three, four games. So actually, we did a triple cast last game against Vegas. That was fun. That's fun. He's a defenseman. You know, he's played over a thousand games in the Stanley Cup with Carolina, and he's a great guy. So it's fun working with him. And then on so tomorrow night I'm doing TV, and then I'm back on radio for a couple of games. Um, like I know Friday night on radio with, uh, Rusinowski. So he's like, you know, he's the voice of the Sharks. He and Randy Hahn who's on TV, but Rusinowski's beloved in the Bay area. So the Sharks have a podcast out there. Well, Rusey, Rusey just puts on kind of a post game thing. You know, they don't really have one. Oh. You can put a good word the in the podcast. Like you guys, <laughs> you guys have different guests. You guys are and all that. But at this level, like if we were to do one on the team, you gotta have we we gotta one <laughs> have good content regularly, right? Like yeah, good. And the other thing is, when the team's going through some tough times, it puts us in a precarious situation. You know, like we're not here to rip the team. Like that's not our job. Our job, <laughs> of course. Is, no, we're hired. Like they they see it as an infomercial. That's how they see it. You know, we're here to sell, sell, sell hockey, sell the sharks. Now, there's some objectivity that we have to do it you know we're not like we're definitely one of the more objective crews out there but we're also sharks fans so to do it my issue with a podcast you guys got four guys you guys are having fun you know it's that's great but for me to do it at the nhl level with the san jose sharks and then other people around the nhl are potentially listening you got to have friggin great topics every single week (laughs) And they're going to also have to be controversial. And I don't know if that behooves me as a broadcaster with the Sharks because we're already on every game, you know? Yeah. And we're doing, and we do, and we do this, like I'm on your podcast. So I'm, I got different radio interviews and all of that. So yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't, <laughs> so, yeah, so there could be some, I think there might be some people out there that have them, but I don't listen, you know, yeah. I get, I get yeah. my show watching and going to practices and games and traveling with the team. So 
I'm I'm good. I don't need any San Jose Shark podcast. I listen to what I do is I listen to all the I'll listen to like Elliot Friedman's you know Thirty One Thoughts podcast, or I'll listen to a Bob McKenzie podcast or something else where I'm getting I'm getting Pierre even if it's Pierre McGuire or anything like that that somebody's on any with na- like with national um, topics because then I'm getting caught up on what's going on around the league. Yeah, so those are those are the type of, those are the podcasts that I listen. To. Nice. We're actually uh, going to have Bob McKenzie on the show here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, should be a good one. Yeah. One you guys best. just you guys just clinched playoffs, huh, Biggs? Yeah, fourteenth time in fifteen years, but they're not gonna they're they're gonna chase down Calgary so they don't have to play Vegas. Vegas, we just played them the other night. They're good, man. Yeah. They, they come at you, and they yeah, picked they up Mark nasty. Stone, and they're good. They're just good. Like they're built. You know, now now we know what they did. Like they did an amazing job. They they built a team that was geared for today's NHL. Everybody can skate and has mobility. So their pace of play is tremendous. They got the right coach. They play hard. They're an honest team and they keep coming, man. And there's there's not a lot of time and space. They're in your face all game long. So we got we got a little taste of our own medicine the other night, but it would be preferable if calgary and vegas played in the first round <laughs> yeah 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 let them fight it out. We, we can beat vegas but we can't beat vegas in four you know unless they're like top two goaltenders both get injured or something you know what i mean it's crazy that uh brett burns is one your leading scorer on your team what's uh i was brett burns as a guy he's you know with the beard and everything and actually is jumbo growing his beard back out yeah, he is a little bit. Those guys are like two high school kids. They're just like <laughs> great. Their passion, their passion for hockey is awesome. Always trying to find an angle, you know, properly, yeah. like in any way, like to be physically more fit or whatever it is to be a little bit better. You know, they're just they joke around. They're good with fans. You know, Bernsey loves hanging around with fans and everything. But they're also <laughs> really competitive. You know, so they've kind of. Jumbo has kind of created the culture. You know, you can come to the rank, you can, you can be a bit of a goofball and joke around, but it doesn't mean you can't have attention to detail all the time when it comes to your game. So that's kind of the culture, like all the young guys, the Hurdles, the Timo Myers, Marcus Sorensen, all these guys that come in. They get to sit and watch these guys and like, wow, these guys are characters, but oh geez, do they ever work hard? They work hard on the, they practice hard. They like their details. They like, you know, like work so hard back checking. They work so hard winning their battles, being in the right place. They take care of themselves in the gym. They rest, their nutrition, the way they treat the trainers and everyone else. And you watch it all and you got what you have is you got a really good culture. And it's credit to Doug Wilson and his staff. And we got a great coaching staff and and, and you got great leadership. So it all adds up nicely. Yeah, you got production from every line too. That's huge. Gotta have it nowadays, you know, and uh, that's what this team has. It's like a different hero every night. So they just gotta figure out a way to keep the you know the goals goals against have kind of risen here in the last four games. So I think they're gonna have to ratchet down and tighten up defensively a little bit. Um, but they'll they'll be a team to reckon with come playoff time. They'll need the goaltending to to be a little bit better. But they could be a team director. This could be this could be a special spring if everything falls into place and they get healthy. Get Eric Carlson back, hopefully. Um, that's obviously going to be important. So, Marty usually yeah. turns it on in the playoffs too, right? 
Who does? Your goalie, Jones? Marty. Yeah, Marty Jones. He better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that's key in the playoffs and that's, that's, all, and that's all I got to say about that <laughs> <laughs> hey Bakes uh, you know, we really appreciate you coming on the show man it's, uh, it's nice to talk to somebody that we watched growing up and you know kind of idolized as we were little kids and you know 10, 12 year old kids in, in Appleton Arena and uh you know to reminisce a little bit about that and uh you know hear about what you're doing today we really appreciate you coming on the blue line hockey club and, and spend some time with us hey thanks for having me guys love chatting hockey and with some good north country guys st lawrence guys my That's pleasure thanks with with gratitude thanks for having me boys. <laughs> we, we appreciate your time thanks cheers boys all right cheers man. Thanks, man. Yeah. See ya. see you later man so uh, Jamie Baker joining the show. Um, what a great guy! Actually, had a lot of stories about Joe Marsh. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, what a um, trip down memory lane for for both of us, really, for all of us, really. Yeah, it was cool to hear. Um, you know, we were all there, but he was older and, and running the streets in a different way than than we were at the time, for sure. Cool, cool interview. Yeah, and and being one of the big faces of. Uh, you know, like I said earlier in the podcast, Joe Marsh actually told me that, you know, he was one of the, the best players to ever put on a St. Lawrence hockey jersey. And, you know, I agree with him, you know, in our era, right? I mean, what he did in the NHL, what he did at St. Lawrence. Um, I mean, I think Mark and I talked about it earlier. He had like double the points, uh, 39 games and had something like 82 points or something like that in ECAC hockey. So. That's huge. What a great guy, too. Yeah, Rob, you're right. Yeah, really nice. Really nice guy. But, like, you know, think about it. Like, we were, like, what? Like, I think Mark was saying 10 or 12 or something. But I think we were maybe, like, yeah, like 9 or 10, basically. Yeah. And that was going down. And it, obviously they were a special team because, I mean, I literally remember, like, every story he's telling, I remember it. I All the players' names, I remember it. So I can't say that about, you know, all of the, you know, slew teams as we were growing up. But that one, that one yeah. sticks out big time you know so that's it's cool it's an honor to get to talk to that guy he's a really cool dude and he's big up a lot of neat stories about Jomas. yeah Jomas. and he's a, a big guy a big public figure for the san jose sharks it's great to get him on the podcast and uh, uh talk to him i know a lot of the uh, north country listeners from canton and pot sam st lawrence county will be uh listening to that and you know reminiscing just like we we just all did all right, boys, great interview with Bakes. Uh, now I'll get into the little first intermission sponsor here. We do have Tovi Hockey, tovihockey.com. Make sure you go into their site, checking out their new stick that they've come out with. It's something that nobody else is doing on the market right now. Um, their technology of the Diamond Air Blade is something that you've never seen before. Get on their uh, their site and see it for yourself because you won't believe it. Check out tovihockey.com. The promotion code for them is intro Tovi 20 for immediate 20% off. That's tovihockey.com, and intro code is I-N-T-R-O-T-O-V-I-20 for immediate 20% off discount on your next order with Tovi Hockey. So check them out. Their sticks are awesome. We've been using them here at Blue Line Hockey Club, and we're a big supporter. I think you really like it. Get on their site. You won't believe it until you see it. Yeah, they have this uh, – the blade of their stick has holes in them. So if you listeners haven't seen it, you need to get on and, you know – it. The air flows freely through the blade, reducing the drag, which they say increases the swing speed and maximizes your power behind every shot. And it's kind of cool. They have 
if you check it out online at tovihockey.com. Yeah, there's holes <laughs> all through the all through the blade, so it's kind of cool. Check it out. Yeah, I guarantee you've never yeah, seen anything like it. Yeah, this could be the next uh, revolution or evolution, I guess I should say, of sticks in um, in the hockey world. So, I mean, they're brand new; they're just out a couple months. So, you know, we could see these in the hands of the pros sooner or later. I'm right, boys, curious have... to see if we could break them, you know, with the slappers because they've got all those holes in it. Don't Probably you? you can, Rob. <laughs> they've actually tested Hi. them, like uh, you know, with like a I don't know, I think it's like a machine, and they've they've actually held up better than the. And they're traditional sticks because the traditional sticks have a foam core inside the blade where these are <laughs> solid all the way through. So um, that's that's their niche there, too. So they don't lose their pop. Awesome. But, uh, Diamond Air Blade. That's it, boys. But, magma. Uh, we do have a, magma. We do have to get into some uh, some of this NHL news, guys. Uh, this season is winding down. There's a few teams uh, still fighting for that last wild card in, in both divisions. And, um, you know, these last couple of weeks have almost been like playoffs, like we said before. So, you know, a couple of teams fighting and scratching for that last spot. Um, there's only three games left. Some teams have four, um, you know, and a couple of teams only have two games left. So uh, the playoffs are right around the corner. And playoff. Playoff. We're going to get into some exciting playoff. hockey here. Playoffs. Don't talk about playoffs. What's going on in the Eastern Conference, playoffs? Mark and E2? What are you guys seeing over there? Well, um, as far as uh, the Atlantic, well, uh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Mark. I'll just talk about the Atlantic real quick. We still have, um, you know, the same three teams at the top. You know, the Lightning, the Bruins. Bruins have just, you know, they have 101 points. The Bruins are probably, um, you know, one of those teams to beat in the playoffs. They've been peaking at the right time. Um, they have just about everybody healthy. Their goaltending is what is doing well, and um, I think they're going to be that team that you're going to see. Uh, do well in the playoffs. I know the Lightning's going to be a wild card, in my opinion, just because they they usually play all well, play well all year, and then it's a it's a crapshoot when they get to the playoffs. They just can't seem to get to that Stanley Cup championship, and um, it just seems like that they've got that Red Sox uh, curse. You know what I mean? So then yeah. you get the, the Leafs. Uh, Tavares had uh, four goals, I think it was last night. Um, they're, still, they're still clicking, and they're right there with 96 points. Really good team. Um, you know, I think that division is going to come down to some goaltending in the playoffs and which goaltender is hot. Um, I think that's going to propel somebody to, to the next round, you know, and then you got the Canadians scratching. Look at them climbing up, man. I'm, I'm impressed. Bruins uh, actually beating the Rangers right now, two to one in the third, 18 minutes left. So it looks like they're going to grab another two points. I shouldn't say that. They'll probably fucking tie it up, but yeah, I'm assuming. I did watch the Caps game last night against the Canes. That's uh, Derek's division. He's going to talk about that. That was a hard-fought game. Both teams looked really good. I don't know if you guys caught that on NBC, but both yeah. of those teams looked pretty good. I'll let Derek get into that division now. Ovechkin yeah. got another another goal last night. Yeah, no doubt. Washington and Pittsburgh have risen to the top of that uh, Metropolitan Division. And the Islanders have slipped a little bit. I've been high on the Islanders a lot, but they've uh, they slipped a little bit here as they're coming in uh, to the playoffs. But Still, I think, a dangerous team as they enter into it. Carolina and Montreal uh, are battling for the wild card in that Eastern Conference. Carolina, I know you guys were there recently, Rob and Pat. They're kind of a dangerous team, huh? I mean, they got – it's kind of like one of those teams that come around, like, only so often. They got chemistry, kind of something that you can't put your finger on, really. But it's um, something that's probably going to bode well for them going into the playoffs. I don't – I wouldn't want to see Carolina going into the playoffs – at all 
it, I mean, I really wouldn't. I, I mean, I don't care who you are. Uh, I wouldn't really wouldn't want to play them. I, I think when you look at like a team like the Columbus Blue Jackets, what do you, do you think? You think Columbus is going to be firing the head coach at the end of the year, or what? You think Torch is going to be gone, missing out? I mean, because it looks like it really looks like in the Eastern Conference that Montreal and Carolina are going to lock up, lock up those wild card spots. So, what do you think that? How do you think that bodes for Torch? I don't know, man. I think there's a lot of coaches on the hot seat. This, yeah. you know, teams that don't make the playoffs. Um, you know, and the head coach of Chicago. I mean, Quenville, yeah. um, Jay Quenville. So he's going to be up for, you know, some of these job spots if, if someone's willing to pay him. But, yeah, I don't know about Torts. I'm a big fan of Torts. I, I would keep him on. Um, they're doing all right since he, you know, took over. It's hard to yeah. say. But Carolina was uh, just a fun atmosphere down there. Rob and I went down to watch uh, Minnesota play Carolina. Took the Blue Line Hockey Club uh, Jetliner. And, um it was I a good time. It. Rob drove it. Yeah, he was high. <laughs> and, um, good atmosphere, great rink. I actually ran into Paul Fenton, the GM of uh, Minnesota. He was walking around the uh, parking lot trying to blow some steam off. Real nice guy. Talked to me for a little while. But, um, yeah, Carolina is the last team I'd want to face in playoffs. Um, well, I got some... You know, the, to me, we, we talked about this. They, they started out of the gate, you know, average at best, right? Well, they started off on top, right? They were first they in the top. Yeah. Well, but then they slowed yeah. down. And then they are climbing back in, though, and it's finding the right pace at the right time. They seem to be going faster and, and faster. Yeah. I hate to say it, but I think that bunch of jerks things really helped propel that team. Yeah, it's um, motivated them. Yeah, I mean, it kind of was like everybody was picking on it for a while, and they use that as motivation. And, um, you know, you've seen that actually just – it's been in the news like every week. They're putting it on the ESPN and everything. So not, not only that, but like since that came out, they've kind of taken to the celebrations to another level. They're like basically yeah, saying, yeah. Oh, you, you don't like it? So go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're going to take it over the top even more. But the one we saw was March Madness, and the, the guy dunked on skates. It was – you know, it was awesome. The whole place it was went. pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I, I wasn't a big fan of it, you know, until I went there, and you know, the excitement of you know waiting because they kind of like take their time and set up, and everyone gets excited to find out what they're doing, and then they do it, and it goes crazy. And it only lasts, you know, maybe fifteen, twenty seconds, but everyone waits for them to do that before they leave and then they flood out. Yeah. So the Hurricanes and the, and the Blue Jackets both have four games left. Uh, two of the teams have four games left. Uh, Blue Jackets being back by three points, so they're still not out. Um, and that said, the Canadians, they only have three games left. So um, being at 90 points and the Canes are at 91. So it really they're the, depends on the you know what these teams do in their last three or four games. Um, Blue Jackets, we can't count them out. They went out and these other two teams lose a little bit. They're going to get right in there, so it's yeah, tight. I, I don't think you can count them out either, but I, I just think that, you know, a team like the Blue Jackets, they got quite a bit of talent on that team, and if they miss the playoffs, I don't know. You know, it's a pretty cutthroat league. I think, you know, I think the longest tenured coach in the league right now is, like, on his sixth year, you know what I mean? So it's it's pretty cutthroat, and if a, if a team like that, you know, that is pretty, you know, substantially loaded with talent, 
doesn't make the playoffs, I, I think that doesn't bode well for Tortorella. He, I mean, he's been around the league a little bit anyways, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I agree there. Um, just one guy to touch on in the Canes real quick is uh, Nito, Nito, uh, Nito Rider. He's had a, like a phenomenal season since he went from Minnesota to, to the Hurricanes. It like really propelled his um, season, actually. I think he's got 20-some points since he went over there. And he struggled over in, in Minnesota the, the first part of the season. So that was a big pickup for the Canes. He's been very productive for them. Didn't they get that. a 12-point 12, 12 streak or something like that? I think so. He was up there, double digits for sure. But the big name for the Canes is their uh, rookie, Andre Sevichenko. Might have butchered it. <laughs> Might have. But uh, <laughs> probably. It's a good chance. 100% chance. Um, he's got like. 30 goals this year and I forget how many points, but he's just on fire. He actually had a, uh, a goal last night against um, Washington and playing for the Kane stuff. Yeah. Speaking of that, I don't know if they got the goaltending. I mean, do you think they have the goaltending to go far if they do make the playoffs? Like Peter Mrazek obviously isn't the answer. Um, you know, he's been bounced around twice. I don't already. know. It's hard to say. We'll find out here soon, boys. Yeah, let's let's head over to the uh, the West, boys. Uh, Pat, you want to get into that? Get it into the Central, and Robbie can hit up the Pacific. Well, just overall, Winnipeg's at top in the Central. Nashville, surprise, surprise. St. Louis finally worked their way up there. They're at ninety points. Um, Calgary, Rob will talk about that. They clinched. San Jose clinched. But uh, wild card, you got Dallas and Colorado. Dallas has the number one wild card. Colorado has number two. You got Arizona, Minnesota fighting for it. I don't know how it's going to turn out, actually. You know, Minnesota has, let's see, they got Vegas on Friday, which probably will be a loss. Arizona, although they beat Vegas in Vegas, so who knows? It's hard to say. I I don't see. They can't win at home, though, so that's not good for them. Yeah, and they have uh, two home games left, so. Look, they're still, they're still in it. It's possible, but not possible. possible at this point. Tonight, though, Vegas will clinch with one point. If they get one point tonight, they'll clinch playoffs along with – and St. Louis Blues will clinch if Vegas wins also. And Vegas has Colorado tonight, so that's a big game. It's hard to say how it's going to work out there. I, I don't know. I don't see Arizona and Minnesota make the playoffs. It'll take a lot for them. I think it. I think it's set with Dallas and Colorado. Yeah, so Dallas is, I think, clearly going to be in there as long as they can hold on, right? Yeah, they have eighty-four points, so yeah. it'll take a lot. They'll, they'll have to lose almost every game going forward. That's hurt Minnesota in the last few games. I mean, they've been out playing some teams. They just haven't got the Ws. Um, you know, if you if you caught any of the last couple of games a while to play, I I didn't see the the Carolina game, but the last couple of games they just they had the chances. They just couldn't score. Um, the goalies played well. And they, they there was a big fight, play. wasn't there, Minnesota last game? <laughs> it was a big fight because it was his first fight. I don't. It wasn't really <laughs> a lot of, you know, haymakers and shit. There was some punches thrown, but it was a good test for, for Jordan Good Greenway. thing he had his hel- Jordan Greenway had his helmet on, right? Probably yeah. have a nice little egg there on his top of his head. Boyle's. You could hear, hear Boyle's fist hitting the plastic. Yeah, and then he grabbed the top of his head. He was trying to, for the life of him, get his helmet off. Yeah, off, yeah. Good thing he was on tight. <laughs> I but talked to Jordan about boys. that. And uh, 
he said, it, you know, it was just a bunch of chaos. He didn't know what was going on. And by the time he realized it was Boyle, he said Boyle was like threw one haymaker at him. And he's just like, holy shit, it's Brian Boyle. And then, yeah, I know. <laughs> and then he said, then he said he, he's just trying to prevent himself from dying. He goes, I just don't die. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he did pretty well. He got the crowd. Um, he did good. He did good. He went. He went with that uppercut twice, and he said he just hit him on the chin a little bit, not too hard, but he hit him enough. And you could see at the end they were like, "Okay, we're we're done here." Yeah. What did he say? He threw a good shiver on that one guy though. That like before the fight really got going, you know, he kind of stiff armed that one guy, kind of sent him yeah. for a loop. That was that was pretty cool. So that was the best part of the video, actually. Everybody's commenting on that, but it was a it was a good fight, you know. Definitely to have his Papa's cherry there. Um, they both had what, good leverage on the on their shoulders, so they couldn't really throw too many haymakers. But I thought it was just cool, you know, like you said, to pop his cherry with a, you know, and I think all four of us can agree, a class act guy, Hall of Fame guy. Who else would you want to pop your cherry with? Then you could say Brian Boyle. Yeah, the NHL. yeah, it's not bad. He's he's pretty cool guy, right? Yeah. Could have been some prick like Bufflin or something stupid, but you never forget Boyle. He's a pretty cool guy. No doubt. Rob, what's going on in the Pacific? Calgary, San Jose? I mean, there's nothing to say. You guys already said it. Um, Calgary. What's Brad Burns say about Matthew Kachuk? Well, yeah, I mean, did you see fucking uh, Dowdy slash Kachuk right across the shins? And then <laughs> did you see? Did you guys see that? He's, I didn't I, see it. I hate him. It's wicked slash. You guys gotta take the. You guys gotta look at that. It was pretty. I mean, to me, that means you want your ass kicked. You swing at somebody like that. Listen, they only got how many games left? One, one. LA's two, done. Two, They're going golfing, anyways. Yeah, LA's done for sure. Yeah, yeah. Most of those teams have four games, except for the Coyotes had three, and they're up to eighty-one points. So they got a couple points on the Wild right now. The Wild really needs to win their last three games to even have a chance, I believe. We're going to have to go back to the tapes, but I think I picked all three of these. In my oh, fuck. There we go. There we go. Even if Minnesota wins three, that gives them 85 points for the regular season. And I don't think that's enough. I don't think that's enough. It'll take a miracle. You know, everything's got to go in their favor. You know, teams got to lose and they got to win. Did you see uh, Bobo Carpenter do the terms with the uh, Islanders? Yeah, Bobo? Well, Bobo, yeah, Bobo. Yeah, Bobo. He's a good player. He'll hang out in the AHL, try to get him on the podcast here. The Islanders can't score as of late. Um, I think that's been their biggest crutch um, coming into the end of the season here. They really struggle getting some points on the board. Uh, From what I was watching this week, uh, people were just saying that, you know, they've been playing well a year, but the last few games, last couple weeks, they just can't score um, to get these Ws. So we'll see what happens then. Ovechkin just uh, climbed another milestone. Do you guys see that? He tell us, uh, tell us Patrick. Tell us. Tell us he, got, he got another goal last night against Carolina at home. His 49th of the season, 656th of his career, um, tying Brendan Shanahan for 13th all time. That's pretty big. He's 33 years old. He's a goal shy of becoming the third player in NHL history with at least eight 50-goal seasons. That's eight 50-goal seasons. Is one less than Mike Bossy, Wayne Gretzky, who have it at nine. That's pretty big. I mean, for us, you know, this is 
Yeah, we remember Wayne Gretzky. We were pretty young then. Mike Bossy, we don't. We were really young then. But yeah. for us in our, you know, lifetime, you know, Alex Ovechkin's gonna, you know, pretty much be up there with all time great. Yeah, nine season with fifty goals every fucking season. That's pretty good with all time great. So yeah. have we talked about you know, the Gretzky's, the Lemieux, and now you got the Sidney Crosby's and, and the Ovechkin's getting towards the end of their career. Um, you know, th- that'll be in that elite crew of hockey players that just brought it every year. They didn't have ups and downs and just great players. I did see that the uh, Caps headed over to the White House this week. I don't know if you I guys did saw that. And uh, I, ha- I happened to catch the uh, game last night, the Caps game. It was weird to see Ovi with a clean-shaven face, so I'm assuming yeah. he has to cleaned himself up to go see the president because it's, you know, he didn't have the scruff that he usually has and he just looked like a different player out there, but they did have some people sit out and not go like, uh, like every league. Um, they said on, um, CNN that Ovechkin and Trump had a private meeting. That's what I heard. Yeah. MSNBC was running something about Russian, Russian collusion after that meeting. Yeah. That's all they got left, I guess. But you know, I, I think that, uh, <laughs> I think that some of the couple Canadian guys didn't go. Um, you know, it is what it is. You can say, like, who? I don't care who's in office, whether it's uh, somebody you agree with or don't agree with. I think that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go. Yeah, to it was life. really cool. You know, so I, I kind of think it's retarded when these guys don't go. Um, just, I mean, who else gets uh, invited to the White House? You don't, I mean, you're a fucking hockey player, you're a baseball player, whatever it is. I mean, it's something that you'll never forget. Uh, Our podcast. So the mark, you got the right to not fucking go if they don't want. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. That, man. True. I just feel like it's such a big honor to be invited over there. It's yeah. the, you know. It's exactly. Doesn't it's, matter who's in. What's an honor these days, anyways? Um. So we had Dante <laughs> Fabro on the podcast. Tell me. Uh, two weeks ago. A week ago. Two weeks ago. And Dante just signed uh, left BU, and he is in a Nashville Predators jersey now. He actually practiced on Wednesday, and he is dressing on Friday against Pittsburgh. He's making his debut, so definitely going to watch that game and uh, see how he does. We had him on. He was pretty good, good guy, Uh, deserves to be there. Yeah, we talked about that too. Uh, We thought we might get bumped up at the end of the year, and and uh, burn one of those entry-level contract years yeah. um, without having to um, play a whole season. So that's big for these guys getting pulled up right now. So they're going to get that their third actual third year in the league. They're going to get their big money. So uh, best of luck to him. And, you know, I hope he does well um, being a friend of the podcast. And, you know, we'll have to get him on maybe this summer and see how his experience was in his first NHL game. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Why don't I just touch on that real quick, guys? I do have the – I don't know if we're to the Frozen Four yet, but – in Manchester, we have uh, that's where Clarkson's going to be playing this weekend. They're going to be playing Notre Dame, and then UMass is playing Harvard. Denver, Denver plays Ohio State. St. Cloud State plays American International. Who the fuck that is? Um, <laughs> and then you got Minnesota playing Providence, Cornell Northeastern, Minnesota Duluth playing Bowling Green. So they're just getting into it here, I guess. So got to wait to the final four or Frozen Four, and then yeah. Arizona State. Look at Arizona State uh, playing Quinnipiac. So. That's the rundown um, of those college hockey games. They'll be on ESPN, um, ESPN News, ESPN2. So you're going to be able to catch some of those games on TV this weekend. 
and um, hopefully the local Clarkson team and the UMass boys can end up in the next round. Yeah, that's exciting to uh, see, you know, coming up the regionals and then uh, working towards the uh, Frozen Four, which is in Buffalo, New York. So I'm really excited. It starts Friday at uh, 1 o'clock, ESPNU, ESPN3, um, ESPN2. So check that out. I can't wait. Frozen Four. Derek, you want to get in a little bit of news before we go here? Gronk retired. Is that what Derek was going to say? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I was going to. I was just going to mention that uh, John Cooper, the head coach of the uh, Oh yeah, Tampa Bay Lightning, signed a contract extension. I don't think the duration of the of the extension or the amount of money is known yet. Um, this is a guy. He's he's the longest active tenured coach in the league though, right now. Six years. He's three three hundred and one, one fifty seven, and forty four in his tenure with the uh, Lightning. I mean, that's a 64% win percentage. That's that's unbelievable in the NHL. Uh, he's got, you know, four postseason appearances, three trips to the Eastern Conference Finals, one Stanley Cup Final. I know you guys mentioned it or whatever, that they don't seem to do the great in the playoffs after having great seasons. But um, this is a team that's, you know, they got 59 wins with five games to go. The all-time record for wins in a season is 62 so i mean that's reachable for them this year and they won the president's uh president's trophy this year as well so i mean this is a guy you're not going to let walk out of the building i mean yeah he's got a ton of talent on the team but you know he's built that team so uh it's pretty cool to see a guy like that um you know get get rewarded and he deserves every every single bit of any money he's going to get and he's a hell of a coach so yeah, just yeah, a big article on Hockey News actually this past um, episode, whatever the hell you call it, magazine. Um, you know, so I did check a little bit of that out. He looks like a younger guy. I don't know how old he is, but he's going to be in the league for a while. He worked his way up. I mean, he started in juniors, uh, NAHL for the Bandits, Green Bay Gamblers of the uh, USHL. Did pretty well, won the uh, Clark Cup for the league's championship. He actually coached uh, for the Lightning's um, AHL team in Syracuse, the Syracuse Crunch. He did really well there, he, and he worked his rate up to the head coach of Tampa Bay Lightning, and he did really well, and he is doing well, and uh, he deserves it, so that's awesome. And, you know, you, you can't you can't leave out uh, Yeiserman, right? Well, he's done there as the GM for a while, but uh, he's definitely been able to put the chemistry together. Yeah, people talk about how these coaches don't do much at that no. level, but it's uh, you can't really say that because why would they be firing coaches that aren't winning? You know, so a lot of it is about motivating players and getting players in the in the uh, correct lines and stuff like that, and having strategies and you know all that kind of stuff goes into coaching. So when people say that these guys are just you know they have superstars to work with, and you know, there's a lot that goes into coaching these guys even at that level. So they're coveted. Uh, these coaches that are really good are definitely sought out and get put on uh, good teams and some people do well and some people don't you know it's just it's what it is yeah he just got his 300th career nhl win on uh against uh, the lightning or against the uh, hurricanes the other night so pretty good <clears throat> yeah i think bruce <clears throat> bruce might be gone next year i don't know what's gonna happen there but a lot of coaches will be gone. my mind mark because i was just about to say that out loud can i go on the record to say i'd like to see him <laughs> I just don't know what the fuck he's doing night to night. You know, it's you, know, you got three three games left. You don't know what line's going to play with who. And right, you know, right. I, wrote, 
I really like uh, the outlines with, uh, you know, five games left. Come on, Bruce. When they had uh, Cunning, Donato, and Greenway, I thought that was an excellent line. You know, then all of a sudden they broke that line up and, you know, it's like, who the hell are they going to play with them tonight? You know, it's like, how do you develop that chemistry throughout the year when you have a different line mate every every game? So I don't know what he's doing there. I don't, the power play is awful. Um, they can't even get it set up in the zone. Most of the time the puck is just getting ice down the, down the ice. So, I mean, there's just aspects that, you know, coaching comes into play. If you don't have a good power play, you obviously have good enough players. You're in the NHL. If you can't put something together to have a decent power play, then something's going on with the coaching staff. Yeah. Zach Preezy's been out with a lower body injury, so last three games. So Yeah, they've had their injuries with Koivu and Dumba and everybody else, but um I just I just don't I see watch a lot of those games and I just never know what he's gonna do night to night and I, I just don't see him being there next yeah. year. But um we got a lot to see what happens this week, boys. Um next week we probably most of these games are gonna be over. I think there's only eleven 11 days left to the NHL, something like that. Yeah, 11 so, days. So we're going to uh, we're going to be right into the playoffs, uh, probably right before next play. Uh, next podcast will be real close to the playoffs. So uh, another good show with Jamie Baker tonight. Um, great guy. Good to reminisce with him and uh, hear all of his stories about Coach Marsh and his St. Lawrence days, as well as to see what he's doing up in San Jose these days. Just want to give another quick plug out there to tovhockey.com. Make sure you're going down there, checking out that new Diamond Air Blade um, is something that's evolutionizing the stick world. And that promotion code is intro Toby 20 for 20% off your next purchase at tobyhockey.com. Guaranteed you receive anything like it. T-O-V-I hockey.com. T-O-V-I hockey.com. Yep, that's intro Toby 20 for the discount code there. And uh, nice podcast tonight, boys. We'll be back next week. Check out everything at bluelinehockey.com. Also, to get on our Facebook and our Twitter pages for all of our updates on the hockey news. Um, that's just our podcast. So until next time, keep your sticks on the ice. Damn! Oh, Doc! Well! Yeah. <laughs> keep your head up. <laughs>